0: Hey okay. make it sober.
1: I'm sorry, Dave I'm afraid I can't do that Wait, are we uh, sure that my mic is okay?
2: Yeah, your mic's good, Sam starting you're, to you're fucking complex. on mm. On like King Kong But we only got an hour, so this is going to be a short one, guys <laughs> Everybody talks you. fast <laughs> <laughs> do, do you guys remember the micro-machines guy? <laughs> <It was like, laughs> Voidware prohibited. I do a lot of coke. <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: did they did they actually talk like that? Or they just speed up the voices.
2: No, I think that he was like a professional fast talking guy. Like again, like the golden age of late capitalism, where like you could have a job like the dude from the police academy movies, and it's like, what do you do for a living, sir? And it's like, well, I make a lot of noises with my mouth, and people find that entertaining. I uh, mean, isn't that what you I do? Think
1: yeah. <laughs> I think
3: you're unfairly <laughs> mismurting the police academy guy who Yeah, that guy's he's, brilliant. Yeah, a yeah. source of genuine mirth for his yeah. audience. Oh, please,
2: I I heard that he's gonna be our new CDC head appointed by Trump. Yeah. That would be yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a fucking upgrade. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome. I'm your host, Asher Lack. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Alan Sussman. So the Honorable Sam Lazarus. Hello. And Raphael Ruttenberg, ESQ.
3: Hey, and don't forget we should have Dr. Anthony Fauci coming on the show. He's gonna That's call true. Yeah.
2: yeah, he's gonna call in later. Talk about um, uh, talk about Snowpiercer. <laughs> yeah. Talk about why eating bugs is gross. <laughs> um, and so today we're talking about Snowpiercer. Yeah. Bong Jun Ho. But
3: I do actually have to make a formal retraction before we get into this. Right,
2: we got we to kick this off. I'll put yeah. in some so emotional music in the background. Are you retracting
1: um, your opinion about Mr. Bean? Because that needs to happen.
3: Oh, no. I, I maintain that the, the Filipino Mr. Bean is superior in every way to the Moan Atkinson <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Bean. Mr. Just... Mung
2: Bean? <laughs>
1: hey, wait, wait.
3: Booyah. Yeah, Mr. Red Bean for the hallow gallo.
1: Mm.
3: There you go. Mm, good joke So my retraction is not really Mr. Bean It's related to the Looper episode From the round table Where I said that I want to go back in time And become a renaissance pope And I didn't consider taking Lauren along She says that Well I think that, that I was wrong And she says I can't have any cheesecake Because of that so, But I was wrong anyway Cheesecake or no I was wrong okay.
1: about that. But cheesecake
3: is good the cheesecake's also good, but that's this is. A, I'm issuing a formal retraction in my opinion. I do not want to go back in time and be a Renaissance pope anymore. Or if, I could can do that, if I could do that and go back, she doesn't want to go. Uh, so yeah. if, if I could do that, be a pope and go back, you know, uh-huh. maybe that's what I want. Right. All right. TV. Fair enough.
2: Okay. You could maybe bring some slippers back or like leave them in a locked apartment that will, you can then tap into 500 years in the future.
3: Oh yeah. Stash away some like nice Renaissance canvases. Be like, Oh look, I found this, these Leonardo da Vinci's. Put some
1: <laughs> apple stock in a safety deposit box. That's a thing. From, yeah, Renaissance
3: apple stock. Yeah. Right. <laughs> buy, buy, buy some stock in wood or something.
2: Ye old Stephen Jobs. <laughs> um Oh, God, I don't know. I, I liked this movie a lot more than the first time I saw it. What did you guys think?
1: I love this movie. I had never seen it before, but it's amazing.
0: This was also my second time. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I liked it equally both times. <laughs> Precisely <I> mean, equally? <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: amazing.
0: <laughs> it didn't I guess, really go up or down for me. Uh,
3: it, did you do like a pitchfork scale where it's like, you gave it like a seven point eight. Like this could have been a seven point nine. But <laughs> it was a seven point eight. Oh, I, I would give this a seven point eight. I think. Yeah, perfect ten.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Alan. It like it kind of falls apart about halfway through, in my humble opinion. But Raf, what did you think? What were your initial I don't thoughts? I think it's a perfect
3: on? ten movie, Sam. I think that that's that's a bit a bit overstating it, but it's really enjoyable.
1: You're right. Is there a number higher than ten?
3: I don't, yeah, do, I, I, don't, I, I don't do numbers, I do stars.
1: Okay. Um, it's a Rigel. <laughs> 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 I think
3: stars are simple, everyone gets it, you yeah. know. Totally people know amazing. about the stars. And it's five stars, you know. And I, I think this is a solid this is a solid four star movie for me.
2: Yeah. It's one more it a- than Norm Schwartzkopf. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Try the veal. <laughs>
3: And sure, <laughs> you got any John Wayne Bobbitt jokes coming up? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh god, should I have said Petraeus instead?
3: Tailhook? No, you should have said Petraeus. I, don't no, know. I should is-
1: have used the name of the guy that got fired for uh caring
2: about his sailors, whose name I can't remember. Admiral Horatio Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> That's the guy. Bada bing, I'll be here all week. Mm. Um God, I'm I'm sorry. And the on, listeners we... who are tuning into this in the future uh we're coming yeah. to you live from like week <laughs> week 5 of year 0 of the fucking apocalypse. Of it's, right been our bad, it's, been fucking,
3: it's been a fucking month. I can't believe this.
1: Is that all?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. Like forever/0 slash
1: time.
0: Has it been a, Yeah, I guess it's been about a month, right?
2: I'm yeah, March 13th was the last time Carolyn and I went out to dinner. (laughs) I don't
0: think that marks the beginning of quarantine.
2: Actually, and it's been (laughs) seven days since then. Yeah, it was that Sunday was the last that was the day that we canceled taping. Right. March 15th. Yeah, March 16th. That's what happened. March 16th is when shit got locked down. Yeah, March 16th I uh,
3: went into work. And that was the last day I was in work. The and day before Saint
2: Patrick's Day. Oh, thank God! It's they funny to think that. about.
3: Like I was thinking about Saint Patrick's Day stuff. Like we wanted to get like a brisket to do a corned beef, and uh, I don't know. I was thinking about like what bars to avoid. It seems like a different world. Yeah.
2: The for listeners with no context of what this is like, and who go back to listen to it, this has been like. 9-11 every day for a month it's like alternating it, it between it has your,
0: not been like that for me
3: Asher. I mean, that's pretty hyperbolic
2: <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> hang on hang on no, hang on I, I, I like
3: for Asher. between it, sam giving this a 10 and you saying that this is like a month of 9 <laughs> this
0: episode is off
3: the rails
2: <laughs> 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 no i mean this has been like a month of 9 because it feels like every single day is just like First of all, your schedule is fucked. Any plans that you had are gone. You're in disaster time now.
3: After you saw the goddamn plane hit the tower. This is not 9-11.
2: But it's it's as scary. I mean, more right? like people on, died. Yeah, exactly. Like on 9-11, I was like, well, I'm not in those buildings or that plane. So I'm pretty right. sure I'll be okay. Now I'm like, okay, am I going to the grocery store? Because I have asthma. Hope I don't die. See you later, you know, and that's every fucking day. I in in a lot of ways it feels, I mean, not for everyone, and I don't want to belittle the people who experienced the worst tragedies on 9/11, but in a lot of ways this has been scarier on a personal level, I don't know. Yeah. But that's that's honestly and that weird alternating feeling between like terror and boredom where you're just like, fuck, have I watched everything that's on TV? Do I have I read all the books in the house? You know, no and no, but I don't know. That's that's what this sorta feels like, but I guess yes. This episode is off the fucking
0: rails.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean it is off the rails. Yeah, sorry, go ahead.
0: I mean I I personally feel like I've uh, settled in to the boredom slash scariness of the situation. I mean I, I I I don't know, yeah. I don't have serious asthma,
2: so, you know. No, you I, nor fall. do I. I mean, there are people out there who are a lot more at risk, but I, I don't know. I mean, have you guys, have your neighborhoods been insane? Like, you know, I... Well,
1: the I called, is, like, practically abandoned, so no.
2: I called 911 yeah. to break up a fist fight on my block. It's Wait. fucking insane. Like, I went down to the corner store to pick up an order that I had to phone into them, and they brought out to me. And while I'm waiting outside, there's, like, a shirtless dude, and it's, you know maybe 49 degrees outside this dude is doing like full dojo karate <laughs> like I don't know what the fuck he was wasted on like against a pallet of wood that was propped on one of those free cell phone towers downtown he's, like, he's doing full Finally karate he's using
3: those <laughs> yeah.
2: but he's got the posture of like a slinky and then just stops to like <laughs> athletically vomit for like five consecutive minutes
3: <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> oh my god hey yeah, man we're going back in time baby time.
2: <laughs> yeah seriously It's like, funny because
3: it's funny that all, <laughs> all you guys in rich neighborhoods everyone just peace the fuck out like my neighborhood feels yeah. mostly the same like definitely quieter um but also that's kind of annoying because people are not like on across the street from me, there's like a group of schmucks who are like having the regular, uh, regular grilling. Oh, can you guys hear the yelling? Out yeah,
1: out we of can it? hear the yelling. Should we all shout it out? Woo! <laughs> whoa, whoa, yeah! Is that can you guys hear my side or is that happening Woo!
3: on your sides I can't tell, it's definitely happening over my side. I know, yeah, that. I
2: can hear it from Raf, but I don't know. Carolyn and I just shout it out for. Again, for listeners who are not locked down in New York with us on the final stop of this train to the netherworld. We're cheering uh, for Boris.
3: Get better, Boris. So <laughs> oh, God.
2: <laughs> Carry on, cheeky lad. <laughs> um, yeah, every day at 7 p.m. Carry on, cheeky lad. We oh, applaud man. the doctors and nurses and food delivery people who are keeping the fucking world running right now because certainly podcasters aren't.
1: Hey. hey. I am yeah, man. by not falling asleep.
2: I don't know. The the setup of this not movie
1: a, <laughs> Nobody, no takers on that one. I liked
2: it. It was good. Cool. This movie was way more relevant than i thought it was the first time i saw it and i don't know whether like i don't know if it was a 2016 election that has sort of like torn off more of a veil i thought that i was sorry when was it made uh i believe this came out in 2015 or 16 2013 2013 huh and i think carolyn just shouted that out from the other room
1: thank (laughs) you so let's talk about the
3: movie, because we, we got limited time, I guess. Oh, right, right. Yeah, right. that's
2: true. So, we only have 40 minutes left, or 45 what? minutes. What? I don't know. I mean, so for listeners who haven't seen this movie, the premise is basically that there's a sort of post-apocalyptic future where a storm has hit that's essentially frozen the outside of the Earth, and the last vestige of human civilization is aboard a train that's on a perpetual loop and is a sort of self-sustaining biodome. Um, well,
0: can, can, we, can we just say, I mean, the reason why the world's frozen over is because, what is it? It's global warming. And then they put something into the air to try to stop it and it ends up
3: unobtainium. Bad.
0: They put something in, into the sky to try to make, Make the world colder. C7 it
2: seven up, or something? You know what it ends up being too much. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody um, yeah, so, so mankind is yeah. trying to. Okay. It, it tries to fix the effects of global warming by putting something into the sky, which backfires. And we basically have a blizzard hellscape on the outside. And the, and the only pocket of humanity left alive, as far as we know, is on board this perpetually running train that is a self-sustaining biome in and of itself.
0: Not even humanity, like life, right? Life. Uh, that's.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, Although, you know, no, we just see a polar bear at one point, right?
2: Later on. End. Yeah. That's at the Spoiler. No, no,
0: no. yeah. At the very end.
1: <laughs>
2: Spoiler, mm-hmm. this movie contains bears. <laughs> Bear.
3: <laughs> Bear um, warning.
2: And the, if the you the like
0: bears,
3: this is not the movie for you.
2: <laughs> the movie follows Chris Evans as he and a band of rebels who are in the, the poor steerage section of the train fight their way up to the front of the train to... I guess, kind of establish some kind of equity between all of the passengers on this self-sustaining biome.
0: They want to take over the train because they'll, they think they'll be just rulers. right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. When I originally saw this movie, I thought that it was so ham fisted and ham handed. And maybe it's just that like reality has caught up with how fucking bleak our possible fantasies could be. But I was like, yeah, actually this is real. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I mean, this is happening currently. Yeah. And, and, Bong Joon-ho won the Academy Award for Parasite, which is like a very similarly class-concerned movie to this one. Uh,
0: yeah, he, he tones down his over-the-topness in Parasite. Yeah. yeah. Like I think that's what he... Well, well, yeah. well actually, it oh, it is is over-the-top, but it's just he finesses it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's more
3: palatable. Very much just an allegory for inequality and class conflict. I mean, like, yeah. this, that's what this movie is. And, like, and it's actually such a neat kind of story, the way it actually progresses. Like, they go from the last car to the front car of the train, almost like it's a video game, and you go through, like, different levels, and you're fighting in different levels, and at the end, you beat the boss. Like, it's a, a very, very neatly tied up allegory in that way.
2: You yeah, know, and you I, actually travel through the different classes of society, right? Where yeah. It's like... You go from the poorest people to the engineers, to the military, to the education or the The academics. Yeah, the police, the academics, and then you get to whatever, I guess, the the rich hedonists are at the front of the train, like having their insane drug parties, which, I mean, yeah, I, I dug the metaphor. It's obviously super, super relevant, and it has been for a long time. I guess it's much more in our consciousness now. I thought it was a little like some of the over the topness of the violence, some of the over the topness of particularly Tilda Swinton's performance in this left me a little bit cold, like has a real operatic vibe that I yeah, kind I of, did, I
3: disagree with that, but we should, we should wait, get to Mitch,
1: that. You said two contradicting things there.
3: Well, the, the Tilda Swinton's performance was not that it, not, I don't disagree that it was over the top, but that I, I don't, I thought it was good. I disagree with, yeah, Asher's Right.
1: I think it is kind of but also awesome. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've also seen Oakjaw. I didn't see that one. uh, Yeah,
2: I haven't seen that one either.
0: Which also has Tilda Swinton like playing almost the exact same character.
2: Okay. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like that, those Oakjaw and Snowpiercer are very similar, I think, in a way that Parasite is a bit different. Yeah. Parasite is a bit more... Like thematically
1: or metaphorically or...
0: Like they're both sort of combination of action with like a message. They both have Tilda Swinton being insane. Maybe, Maybe those are the main differences from Parasite. Parasite's just sort of like toned down a little bit, I feel.
3: I really liked Tilda Swinton's character in this because it was very clear to me that she was very she was very obviously supposed to be a stand in for Ayn Rand.
2: She literally looks like Ayn Rand, you're totally yeah. right.
3: So yeah, to me that was incredibly obvious. With the teeth, with the hair, even, yeah. I think even the voice, though I honestly have not seen
2: and the or jacket heard Ayn
3: Ayn Rand. She wears. Yeah, the Rand. Clo- yeah, the clothing too, yeah, absolutely. Uh it's sort of like it's sort of uh mid century style. Or like I guess, you know. 30s 40s style. It's nice to see uh, some homage being paid to that literary historical figure. I don't know. I mean, this is one of my this is one of my things. Like to me, Ayn Rand is is a litmus test. Like it's like if you like Ayn Rand, the chances are extremely low that I will like you. And I think well, Agree with uh, the
1: things you're saying.
3: No, li- no, like you as a person. Agree with the things you're saying is a whole nother level. I mean, like, I just I feel like. Ayn Rand. I honestly can't remember if I know I've read one. I've read one short story of hers. Don't remember the title. I've either read the Fountainhead or Atlas Shrugged. I don't remember which at this point because it was a long time ago. I don't think it matters. It is so pre- preposterously awful, not just as literature, but as you know, giving a uh, voice to this idea of this incredibly simple-minded selfishness as being something ph- uh, philosophically worthy. Like it is. Abjectly stupid, and yeah. you have to be—I think—a genuine fucking fool to believe this. So I've always felt it's that there's an irony. Yeah, well, that or something. I—I th- I think mostly foolish because it's not—it's not, disingen- not a its not—it's not a disingenuousness that you can like play out. Like you can sort of like pretend to be Randian in some way, and just like you have to actually believe it. And I always felt that like there was this incredible irony. With Ayn Rand's, you know, her devotees, who are just like these bozos, you know, it's it's ironically the people who are buying to this idea that there's this kind of like divinely ordained, not divinely ordained. That's not right.
2: But like this, that like there's a class structure to the yeah, universe, and that that class structure is just
3: there are there are there are people who are just innately better. They are uber whatever it is. And most people are just, like, parasites who are trying to glean off of them. It's just, it's always been ironic to me that the biggest fucking losers are the ones who buy into this philosophy. Rush. Rush. Um, Rush the band. Apparently Rush they, uh, not, well, I'm sure, but <laughs> Rush the band, I think, supposedly, like, disavowed that.
2: Oh, did they? Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, that's what they did one player... concept album. I think
3: 2112, their concept album, which is yeah. a hilarious album. That was supposed to be I think based in part on if not actual A-Ran stories but like just her ideas.
1: Yeah. <sighs>
2: Why are yeah, we talking about this well, Hang on. I want to cut into this because I actually have had the the opposite experience recently where a lot of people that I really respect and really like have talked to me about finding her books compelling and interesting not because they agree with them philosophically but because it's a it's a door into a point of view that's incredibly seductive and to
1: crazy people
2: well but not just to crazy people i mean to anybody who's had it easier right i don't know it's Mm -hmm. one i there's a record producer I was working with a number of years ago who I made some joke about and Rand, and he was talking about Atlas shrugged. And he was like, look, man, like to me, I thought that that book was like the most punk rock fucking thing I had ever read. And he, he's like a very DIY kind of guy. And I was sort of taken aback by it. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he was like, honestly, he's like, this book to me felt revolutionary. It was about if you have the fortitude of mind to build your own thing then don't let other people take it over and try and subjugate it. And he was like, to me, the ultimate irony is that it's been seized on by these neocons who haven't built a fucking thing in their lives. And he and sort of melted yeah. my brain. He was like, I don't know why someone like fucking Paul Ryan thinks he read that book and understood it because that's not the book I read. The book I read was about starting a punk rock scene or building a fucking studio in your basement and banging out records that you love. And I was like, all right, fucking a man. Um, yeah, yeah. I
3: think that I think that your your friend. Um, I don't know. I'm glad he got that out of it, but I don't think that that's what that's those books are meant to convey but at all.
2: He's <laughs> also not the only person who said that to me. And again, I haven't read these books, so I don't I don't really have a right to have any kind of opinion on them. I read part of Anthem for a lesson that I taught once, and I found the reading to actually or the writing to actually be kind of compelling. I was very surprised by that because again. You know, this is a person who in any kind of world of left-wing thought is a perennial boogeyman, right? Like you just hold up and you're like, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know, like yeah. a scion of our hatred. Um, but yeah, a number of people over the years that I've sort of known and respected and loved have really, again, not talked about the ideas as something that's worthwhile, but talked about aspects of the book as an introduction to a point of view that's worthwhile. And like, yes, there are a lot of shitheads who see the point of view and say, like, this I believe in, but it's the same as like Nietzsche. Like, think about how many fucking assholes no,
1: it's not the same. It's not the same as all at all, I don't think. I'm I'm not uh I shouldn't have cut in because I don't have anything to back it up really. But nothing gets my back up more than than the garbage that comes out of people who read Ayn Rand's works, mouths. Yeah, like
3: the people who like, you know gone, like, miss... I think Sam's people who misread Nietzsche don't read Nietzsche. You know, it's sort of just right. like they they like ideas of his. I don't think they actually read them. I, I think people genuinely, and, and if they do read him, they don't understand it at all. Like, uh, I I don't think that. But that could well, also Nietzsche's
0: very hard to. I think Nietzsche's probably much just much harder to understand than. Yeah, so, right? yeah,
3: and I'm sure you know. In some sense, I don't know this, but I'm imagining a imagined thought of herself as popularizing some ideas within the philosophical tradition of Nietzsche, you know, what it goes into is like, you know, these are things that we we revisit all the time, where there's this kind of suspicion that undergirds a lot of our thought now, the suspicion of our institutions and received wisdoms, and people are, I think, very ready to turn around and attack those or leave them behind. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, per se but it's also open to manipulation. So, you, I mean, like right now you have people who are going out and congregating en masse while there's a fucking pandemic. Right. And why are they doing that? And it's just, I think it's the, the same impulse that we have in our culture that gets people to read Ayn Rand and see this as, as sort of opening a door rather than it being this pandering to your absolute worst instincts. And that's twisted into something philosophical. Like it, it it is totally degraded. It's like sort of predicated on the idea that you have no I, no conception of how to live your life. So here's something you, you can take and run with that just allows you to be as you are and you don't have to feel you don't have to think of yourself as as being in any way needing to improve yourself. There's no higher level for you to get on. You don't have to you know get out of the cave at all. It's just like you can sit in a fucking cave and watch the shadow play and jerk off and come on your fucking face all you want. And that's what Ayn Rand did. That's what it's saying. It's fine to do that.
2: You the secret except nihilistic. You,
1: you, it, you, you yeah. compulsive masturbating. No, it's like the inverse of the secret. Yeah. Like Whatever you have is what you visualized. Yeah. Not whatever you want visualized to get it. It's yeah. like you deserve what you have and we have the good stuff. So society must make sense. Yeah, yeah and also well, I mean and well, also I, your friend your friend didn't really latch onto the resi- there's so much
3: resentment it's dripping with resentment and malice these are malicious books
2: I'm not saying again I'm not saying that any of these people are necessarily correct in their interpretations but I think if a smart person gets value out of a book or opens a book and says this book is a an open door into a point of view that's worth knowing and understanding like I you don't have to empathize with it you don't have to agree with it but you should know this thing exists I mm-hmm. think that that's you know uh, a truly wise person right uh, to me I don't know but I wanted to bring it back to an idea that we talk about a lot in sci-fi movies that this movie bucked, which was, this is one of the first times that we've seen a movie about the importance of solidarity, right? Like the the whole concept behind this movie is not necessarily, I mean, it does eventually devolve into like Chris, whatever, going through the train and, you know, yeah, killing the bad guys until, you know, we'll, we'll get to the ending in a minute, but for the most part, this movie really is about a class struggle and a class of people coming together to make a better world for themselves. And I thought that that was really like Mm -hmm. such a cool counterpoint to how many times have we, you know um, yeah, we didn't mention also robot house all-star John Hurt in this movie as the one armed like broom limbed old train engineer who is sort of puppeting the revolution. He's the one who sets it in motion and inspires chris whatever the hell to go on his journey. To the he has art. a
3: vaguely Trotsky look. Did you guys notice that?
2: Fuck. It, I didn't catch any of that
3: <laughs> You got to look at more portraits of famous people, Asher.
2: Like, well, just, the Anne Rand one I've sure. seen her. I, you're totally right that Tilda Swinton is is based on her. I, I mean, think that's that's a really Henry. good
3: observation, Asher, how this sort of how this this figures in our our sci-fi uh Pantheon. It's like, yeah, it's just, it's totally different in that respect, and that actually was really refreshing and cool.
1: Yeah, except as you say, it still devolves at the end into the same old garbage. Which I mean, at least in this one, the revolution is is you know, or the, I should say, the collective, the people together are a character in some sense, but it's still mm-hmm. about the one person who is the leader and they talk about it throughout the movie. Like he says, Oh, I'm not the leader. And at the end, the guy's like, don't be crazy. Like whatever, don't mess with me. You are the leader or whatever he says. Right. Yeah. No, that is the point of the movie. He is the hero, but it's cool to see, see the group argument as well.
2: but is he hero because ultimately when we when we shed the rest of the sort of collective revolution is when the whole thing falls apart and I mean arguably humanity ends at the end of this movie this is fucking it right like I don't know
3: I think it it
1: was an optimistic ending yeah I'm not convinced of that Asher
2: it's funny because I thought it was both optimistic and (laughs) entirely doomed you can you can be both it was ambiguous for sure well, you can be looking at the sun exploding and be like, eh, I had a good run. Those two things aren't mutually exclusive to be... No, but I
1: don't think that the end of the movie is saying we're done. I think it's more like saying the Earth is not done. Like, if we're lucky there, are, first of all, the, the train cars might be useful in, you know, rebuilding human society in that corner there. But, like, the the snow is melting, so maybe it's a, it's, it's a bear meat. It's what?
3: Get some bear meat.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. Like if liver. there are bears, there are fish. If there are fish, the seas aren't too cold for life. So it could be, there are people elsewhere. The earth is recovering. This movie ends yeah. on an up note, I'd say.
3: Yeah. Go and ahead. I think that, I think that the good guy in this movie, you know, I mean, just to spoil the ending, um, the, it seems that no one, so the train, you know, they managed to, the, the, you know, set explosives. Well, I think we have to set this up. But you know, when the train when yeah. the train derails and everything falls apart, and seemingly everybody on the train dies except for um, two two young people, um, what sort of I took from that is like you get the sense that like the, the hero in this in this movie wasn't necessarily Chris the blonde warrior, but was was humanity. You know, it's like the the hope for for human freedom, the will to survive yeah the future yeah like future
2: generations are the are the hero of this movie the people who will inherit this after us are the heroes of this movie i don't disagree like mad Mad
3: max beyond thunderdome with the the kids setting up a yes laying the grounds for future society in the ruins of melbourne it's a little darker than that it's a little dark yeah you're right
2: yeah so i mean to give to give sort of context and to give a brief plot breakdown because I I don't think we need to get into all of the beats of the movie, but essentially
0: summarized it pretty well. Maybe just the ending needs anyway, whatever you want to do.
2: Yeah. I mean, so essentially, you know, we have this revolution that starts in the end of the train and we go through the levels of the train. I thought, you know, and it gets set upon by very violent cadres of essentially police or military uh, two times throughout the movie and I, I wanted to point out a parallel when they cut the fish open there's like a scene right before the cops hey, it was so uh, my thought of it was two things first it was just to sort of freak them out and to show uh, to show like getting blood on your weapon so nobody knows whether you actually killed someone because if everybody has blood on their weapons then it's a uh, it's a sort of a trick like you don't know who the most dangerous is but I, I could be wrong about that. Um, oh, that's interesting. But the the other thing that I was thinking about that was in connection to Okja and the way in which sort of like cruelty against humans, man against man, and man against animal, uh, basically that the, the director kind of equates those two things. Right? And I I thought that that was an interesting thing. But anyway, I, I, we may just cut that.
0: I don't um, remember. Well, what was the cutting of the fish? I don't
2: before the police sort of sack the, the rioters or the revolutionaries the first time, um, um, one of the, the cops takes a hatchet.
1: No, it's when they've all got hatchets, isn't it? And they yeah. pass it around, covering their... It's the second group of... The, oh, that's the right.
3: And they put blood all over.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Hmm.
3: Not the prison guards, the, uh, the police force. Right. Yeah,
2: the police force. Yeah, so uh, basically... You know, what happens is the revolutionaries get picked off bit by bit until really only Chris and his two.
0: Yeah, kind of I mean, a lot of the people on the other side die as well.
2: Oh, yeah. Tons of people die on both sides. And, yeah. Like, yeah, and but
1: like all of the cops die
2: pretty much. Yeah. All of the cops die. That is most assured. And yeah, and basically Chris gets to the front of the engine and he finds out that one of the people that he's taken with him who's been collecting this weird drug that all the people are stoned on the whole time called Cronol.
1: Wait, can I just jump in real quick here? Yeah. The, he's in like, I'm doing air quotes, prison, right? They break him, quote, out of, quote, prison, quote. The, the engineer. quarantine, yeah. So, like, what
2: <laughs> is going on there?
1: Anybody I want think to elaborate?
2: That, well, because the lower class people go to, instead of getting put in prison, they just have their limbs removed. And the upper class people obviously get sent to prison if they do something and bad. And
1: prison is just like they sleep in a tube. Yeah, they send them drugs. into like,
2: yeah, they, they send them okay. into a.
1: Because I kind of got this sense that it was like a euphemism that they had opted to be in the thing because then they didn't have to experience life like as a break. Maybe I'm doing that thing that you guys hate when I do.
2: <laughs> I mean, maybe I—I do, I don't know. I honestly was completely unsure what he was doing there. Yeah, but I think that that's sort of beside the point, right? Like, like I mean, the guy gets out of the jail, and <clears throat> it's unclear. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of aspects of the society that are sort of don't fully yeah. make sense.
1: But I, I guess I just feel like the the presumption that he's just an addict. Like, obviously, we find out at the end, that's not what's motivating
2: him. Well, yeah, and what we end so. up finding out is that his motivation was collecting those drugs because they are flammable, and, and he is going to blow open the door of the train while Chris confronts the the, really? the engineer, the chief, the conductor. Um, which, I don't know, th- that final exchange between Ed Harris and Chris about, like, the nature of the revolution, and spoiler alert, spoiler alert... For it's people, the who, yeah, it's the Matrix exactly. But spoiler alert is basically yeah. yeah that the revolution was originally fomented by the people in charge of the train in order to keep the population stable rather than yeah, they, growing too large.
3: They foreshadow it at several points, talking about ecosystems and like these needing yeah. to be in balance. And you know then they talk about like prior uprisings and prior uprisings apparently have been engineered in such a way. You know it's it's not a uh bug it's a feature of the system, right? Computer yep. guys, right totally. Sam?
1: Bug, bug yeah. feature not a bug. That's the one. You wait, do you, do you want more features or do you want more bugs, which is the better one? Well, it depends. Are your bugs features? I can't answer that. Well then, uh, guys, you have
2: it. a time limit.
1: <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, shut up. Features.
2: Shut your mouths. Yeah, the, revolu- um,
3: the, the revolts are features to thin out the herd. Things have gone out of hand, so they have to get rid of 74% of the people who are in steerage. Um, Wait, no, I
0: think they're leaving 74%. Okay. Not Fair that much. it really matters that much. I don't think it matters that much yeah, I'm pretty yeah sure. they're killing the
2: shit out of a lot of people and they're leaving a lot of people behind but it's yeah i, I agree that it doesn't really matter that much
1: well and, and also that was the, one of the 50 percent of fictional characters i would think it mattered quite a lot
2: yeah then
1: <laughs> <laughs> same sam, sam really inhabits these movies
2: yeah thankfully sam you live in an even bleaker reality
3: yeah uh, uh, i don't know if bleaker but bleaker street yeah Bleak House, Charles Dickens. <laughs> Not clear that it really
0: makes sense.
2: From like a scientific perspective, those kinds of biodomes don't work. Sure right? they
1: do. That could work. I,
2: I don't know. know. I thought that the Yeah.
1: No, he only didn't make it through because of love. Sorry, Alan. What were you saying?
2: I haven't seen biodome. We'll have to do it on the have show. Have you guys
0: seen interviews with Polly Shore recently? No.
2: No. no.
0: He, he is so deluded. Is he all right? World.
2: Yeah, yeah i was about to say he seems like ripe for being a reactionary
0: yeah well he just like completely has no understanding of why he stopped being famous
3: <laughs> oh no oh, you know i would have a hard time if i were him too yeah, yeah can you imagine like, like my <laughs> shtick got really old really fast and people <laughs> think i'm a repulsive idiot
2: yeah if you were... <laughs> that sucks if that was just you, if your identity became something that everybody was trying to be for like two years and then all of a sudden they moved on and you were like, no, but I'm still the weasel, guys. What does Alan,
3: what does he say? What is it? What are his explanations? Um,
0: Like he thinks that he made certain bad choices with like movies and people he worked with. True. I think he says certain things that will maybe get at what was going on. Like he was just saying that when your rise is that fast, then you fall really fast too, which is like, yeah, sure. well, why is that? <laughs> because you rise really fast because you have like one dumb shtick that people like get really into, and then it's over. You know.
3: I think yeah. he probably thinks like, why couldn't have I? Why couldn't I have had an Adam Sandler like trajectory? Yeah, right. Yeah. Well,
1: right. Exactly. Except Adam Chandler, Adam Sandler had a second shtick.
2: Arguably, yes. neither of them are entertaining. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like,
3: like, Adam Sandler is multidimensional. He was a, a oh, hockey-playing yeah. golfer and <laughs>
1: and a dumb on. kid. yeah, And a dumb, dumb adult. <laughs> a dumb adult, exactly.
0: The other thing I want to say about this movie is, like, so you know, I'm really not smart enough to be able to, to talk about all the references, but you, you do get the feeling like there's a lot of references to mythology and various myths like across different cultures Mm. and i think one of them that stood out to me was the thing about people cutting off their limbs so there's this this story about how when the train first started moving the people in steerage had no food and so they started basically killing off the weak and then this one guy who became who's john hurry who becomes like their leader so he says instead of them eating a baby, he cuts off his own arm for them mm-hmm. to eat that I think is a, a reference to like these old Chinese myths huh. um, where uh, about filial piety mm-hmm. where like sons' parents were starving, and so they would cut off their arms and like feed their parents their arm mm-hmm. or something wow. uh, and that always it always stuck out to me because I, I remember I learned about this in class and I remember that the professor was talking about how, I hope I'm getting this right, in like, Confucianism, there's this sort of uh, relationship between filial piety and basically following like the go- governmental rules. So, in Confucianism, they really value filial piety, but arguably part of the reason for that is that if you see the government as like a proxy for your parents, then...
2: Yeah, devotion to the state and the laws of the state are an extension of... Confucian filial piety I actually was helping a student write a paper on that Ooh. oh really yeah nice.
0: yeah so that kind of leads in then to the the ending right where you find out that John Hurt's character uh, is actually friends with like the leader and they were both there were two sides of the same coin in a way
2: oh
3: yeah right? that's an interesting bit of foreshadowing you
2: know? yeah and and he's not the only person who is completely sacrificing himself in, in the name of the state Tilda Swinton's character does the same thing. You see them indoctrinating the children as if they should give themselves up for the state. There's a lot of people giving themselves up for the state.
3: What this movie is, it's, I mean, it's like sort of it's an allegory of an in extremist version of our society where it's like there are constraints and rules you have to adopt in order to keep civilization going and the fact is like you know the idea that keeping the engine going so to speak in our own world faced with the craziness of incredible injustice it's like do we keep this moving are we sacrificing everything are we are we giving up everything by trying to change how things function so i mean like it's that's what it is it's it's reduced to, to like a neat little uh neat little package yeah. um so I, I think that makes it makes a ton of sense uh, the way Alan's describing it. Thank you, welcome You're
1: welcome. <laughs> I'm Actually, just, uh, I just wanted to say one thing really quick that's a little off-topic, off, <laughs> off topic, but I think maybe interesting, if you guys will allow yeah. me. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was watching a video this over the last week about uh, Crash Bandicoot. Did you guys see what this going around? Yeah, so Crash Bandicoot was like a game for PlayStation, whatever. They wanted to do a 3D platformer. And one of the things the guy said was that, like... In order to make a 3D platformer work, they had to figure out a way to constrain the player's movement because in 3D, you could just walk around a bad guy or walk around a trap, (laughs) right? So they had to constrain movement so that they could sort of tell a narrative with the obstacles, which is how game you know, game design usually works. So in three D, it became much more complicated to do game design. So they figured out they had to constrain your degrees of freedom in order to make the gameplay compelling. Right? Everybody following me? Yeah, yeah. totally. Okay, I, think
0: I see where you go.
1: Okay, so this movie like so clearly <laughs> communicates like class struggle. Partly because, and it's funny because everybody I all the reviews I read about this movie are like it's terrible. They're in a train. Everything is linear. They go from the back to the front. It's so simple, and I'm like, yeah, it's really simple, which means it's a very clear allegory. Like you, like you were <laughs> yeah. saying at the beginning, it, you see the progression of the different levels of class and how they become more and more, uh, you know, illogical and untenable and how when you get to the top, the whole thing is really just a cult of personality, right? But you're guided there by the fact that the whole setting of the movie is literally linear. I think that's kind of awesome. Like it's a simplification that makes everything really cool and simple and clear. That's all yeah, I, mean. I also
3: like how at the end, I mean, they save like the most unfathomable evil for the end that the children are being bred specifically to like be parts in that have, that, yeah, that, that have exactly. failed in the engine. You know i just i think that like i don't know it's, it's really great how it just kind of hammers home that message yeah
2: well and that the kids are, are basically hypnotized or like completely you know uh propagandized into staying in those positions yeah so that like when yeah. chris goes to rescue them they're like no, no no i can't leave this i have a job to do until yeah. they blow up the fucking train and mm. all of our protagonists die and and the person that we see escape is one of these children escapes with the daughter, I assume she's the daughter, of the yeah. engineer who has been yeah. paving the way the whole time. And everyone yeah. else, I assume, on the ship is very dead.
1: I'm not sure yeah. about that. I, I wouldn't count on it.
0: I think I read an interview with Joon Ho where he was saying that everyone else died. Oh, I, okay. he, was maybe, was, he was actually being too explicit. He was like, everyone else is dead and those two are going to repopulate the planet. But that's okay.
1: not possible.
2: That's yeah. sad. <laughs> He obviously understands a lot about genetics. <laughs> okay, well, let's. So ultimately, we discover that this was a pro incest film.
0: They're not related. They're not related. What are you talking about?
2: If they repopulate the earth, eventually they will have sex oh, oh, yeah. with their children. Guys, come on. That's a no escape. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about things on. Adam 12th. and Eve or Adam and Steve? Adam and both. <laughs>
3: uh, i want I to talk about the
0: ending because Meh. so so the way the movie ends is that after all this has happened the engineer says he wants to get off the train right so chris evans the whole time has wanted to get to the front of the train to defeat the the boss of <laughs> the, the big guy, who's the, yeah the, the architect. architect ed harris architect,
2: yeah and actually, i mean
0: he is the architect sort of he created the train right yeah now.
2: that shit is still matrix
0: yeah, but the engineer wants to get off the train. it turned, and Apparently, there's only one door off the train. And so he, like, uses the drugs, which it turns out are also explosives, to explode the door off. But the but the explosion sets off an avalanche, which then derails the train, and the entire train falls down the hill, and the only two survivors are those two people. So what did you think was the message there? My, my sort of feeling about that was, as the movie goes on, there are these continual reveals, right? So first there's the revolt and then there's the fact that the revolt has all been orchestrated and it's all part of, part of this bigger plan and everyone's a pawn. And then the train gets derailed. So the way I sort of took that was like, despite everything, humanity is sort of on a knife's edge. You know,
3: I think, yeah, but, I agree. I think it's a very cynical message at the end. I think that it really, if not explicitly endorses, but forces you to confront the idea that it may not be possible to like reform or bring justice to the train that we're on um in in the the ecosystem that we have like the those people who say like it is a finely balanced ecosystem they may be right and the alternative may be something much more drastic than we're often willing to confront and it's especially interesting these days because you know have like you have a debate about how far electoralism can take us i don't know if we can do that in five minutes, but it's a real debate and it's something this country is like I think gonna have to confront because I think that there's an incipient far right like suicide death cult movement that's going to start committing more violence in the next couple years and we're gonna have to figure out how to deal with that and it's not gonna be like no this
1: movie this movie is a prescription for that we have to blow the door off and trigger an avalanche that's what needs to happen in America
2: hang on Raph they don't even need to commit violence, right? All they need to do is stop progress from happening and plenty of people will die. And I that's think that's, true. Both are true. that's the real thing.
0: I, I, well, I didn't even take it that way. Like my, the way I took it was basically um, that all, all of these things that we think are, uh, you know, social progress, these things that we, that we think are so important and, and we devote our lives to, ultimately humanity is frail. I mean, look at coronavirus, right? Yeah. To some degree, a lot of people were going to die probably no matter what, no matter what governments did. A lot more people died than had to. But, I mean, there there are things that are really out of our control. Um, yeah. That completely yeah. destroyed We're at the, the
3: mercy of nature.
0: And, and in a way that unites us, right? Yeah. Because we're all just struggling
3: to survive.
2: All right, let's do endorsements. Should we throw it to endorsements?
3: Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, right, I, this is a really good Kurosawa movie. I've be getting to more Kurosawa's back catalog. Uh, This one is called I Live in Fear. I think everyone should be watching it while we're in quarantine. It's a Criterion. I think it's streaming. I Live in Fear, Akira Kurosawa, 1955.
2: Hell yeah. All right, Sam, what do you got? Kim's
1: Convenience. It's a really terrible sitcom on Netflix, and I'm loving it.
2: (laughs) Okay. Fuck yeah, dude. All right, Alan, what do you got?
0: I also have a somewhat... It's okay. I, I've been watching... I, it's also a Netflix show. I've been watching The Magicians on Netflix. So good.
2: Oh, I read those <laughs> books. I loved them. Oh, really? Yeah, is the show dope? Uh, yeah. The show is more fucked up. All right.
0: Oh, really? I, I would say, like, skip the first season entirely. Truth. It, it sort of gets... instead. Uh, or and I mean, yeah, that's probably better, but if you're going to watch the show, skip the first season entirely. Um, Like, it's sort of it's really a drastic change from the first to the second season where the like everything sort of gets better like the writing the acting uh yeah everything gets better but um
1: yeah read the first book then watch the s- second season on of the show all right. right awesome that
0: might be the way to go
2: cool yeah. all right yeah i'm going to endorse the bbc uh 1990s basically like masterpiece drama of pride and prejudice It's dope. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it was a Carolyn fave and uh, we watched it and I loved every minute of Lizzie Bennett and Mr. Darcy. I wouldn't be as fastidious as you for a kingdom anyway. Uh, yeah. Nerd. Yeah. You got damn right. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much for tuning in guys. You can follow us on social media. I'm at Asher lack.
3: At highly diligent.
2: At case of piles.
3: At underscore Perkunos.
2: Yeah, we didn't even talk about how. Oh my Tally god, Quelly, that'll be a. Tally Tally
3: is all over my fucking. Uh, all <laughs> uh, Twitter.
2: Bonus content. <laughs> and you can, and you Just can, can follow this.
3: this take another hour, I think.
2: <laughs> you can follow the show at Robot House Pod, and it's spelled H A U S. Until next time, thanks so much. Thank bye you guys. Bye. See ya. Stay Thank safe. You. All right, stay healthy too. Wash bye. hands. Bye. (laughs)